0: I have been uh, in our Sunday school class. We've been talking about several things that and one in this session now we just started and we're talking about Christ. And there's a lot of things in there that I have been reading that I read several times and part of it's going to be in my Sunday school class shortly because we're studying about Christ and the reason he's here. But what I found in these four in these uh two chapters, especially in chapter three and chapter four, I found a word that's mentioned four times, M-U-S-T, must, and I got to looking at that, why was that word used, and to tell you the truth, I couldn't find it in my Bible here, I had to go back to the King James of all things to read the King James again. But I read the King James and I found what I wanted to hear is about. So tonight what I want to talk about this is uh, in first in, in James <clears throat> in the third chapter, verse seven. This is one of the uh, first mentions of this word. It says, and I'm going to use my notes quite frequently here so that I won't start uh, running different tracks or different rabbits here. So I'll stay on on. Uh, schedule here first uh, John 3 7 says marvel not that I said unto thee you must be born again and he was talking to Nicodemus when Nicodemus asked him about this in chapters just preceding that because what Jesus said to him in John 3 3 says Jesus answered and said unto him verily verily and when you see those two words verily verily that means for sure that is for sure I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot, and I remember, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we must be born again. And that's one thing that we need to teach uh, from the great cradle up. Teach our children until they become of age, of age that they can understand what we're talking about. But we must teach them and lead them. And I am so glad that we have people in this church that are interested in the kids. I don't have that many now. I've got two or three great grandkids that I don't get to see too often. But I know that they're being taught also. And then uh, verse 4, Nicodemus says unto him, How can a man be born again when he is old? And can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And I could go off on a long tangent here on, on this w- word water and what it means, but in short, I'm going to tell you, water is the word. The word is the water. And we'll get into that a little bit later on. But in the second uh, mention of this, you was it in John 3.30, said, he must increase, but I must decrease. This is John the Baptist talking. After he, had, For six months, he'd been preaching the gospel leading up to Christ. And so one of the disciples went to him and told him, said, hey, this man's doing more than you're doing. So that was the answer that John gave, gave him. He must increase, or Christ must, uh, his his presence and his successes, but the beginning of a most uh, glorious and universal spread of righteousness, peace, truth, and goodwill among men. When he started his ministry, he started something that's been going on for years and years and years and will continue to go on. So we need to keep that. And then John says this. I must decrease my baptism and teaching as pointing out the coming Messiah must cease because the Messiah has now come and has entered publicly on the work of the glorious ministry. So John has to fall back just a little bit and let Christ have his say and have his walk and where He has led him up. He's introduced him. And now it's time for Christ to start his ministry Then you find, uh, again, in, and I like this one because the the Jewish nation didn't like the Samaritans. In fact, they they had a name for them called dogs. That's how how much they didn't like them. But this this one is found in the fourth chapter, verse 4, and it said, he must go through Samaria... And there was for two reasons. First, it was three days closer. They wanted to always skirt around and made the journey much longer, but he wanted to go straight through. But secondly, he did it to obey divine orders so he could have the story that we're about to talk about, and that's that the woman with the well at the well. He knew beforehand, because Christ knew everybody. Uh, in some of the words that I've read says that he knew everybody and he did not he did not stop to think about you because he already knew you he knew where you were what you were doing and where you were going what you thought and so he didn't have to take a man's word for it. he didn't have to explain what I don't have to explain what he know about you that I know he knows it already so we have to be careful about what we're saying what we're doing but he says he must go then he said there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water and Jesus saith unto her come give me to the drink then saith the woman of Samaria unto him how is it that thou being a Jew askest drink of me which am a woman of Samaria for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans Verse 10 says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and then he would have given thee living water. The living water, that's our living water. We read this Bible, that's where we get our our life from. The Word of God. So, out of these sections of Scripture, we find several gifts that are given to, us, given to mankind. And so, I'm not going to read all the Scriptures that are in this, but starting in John 4, 10, the gift of God. There's eight divine gifts given to man. Christ, Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts, salvation, eternal life, divine call, God's gift, and ministries. All those are given as gifts. To you and I, and we should operate in those because God has ordained that when He gives us those gifts, we're to use them, and we need to use them for God. And then they have also they have uh, 10 gifts uh, from the gospel. Uh, talking about the living waters. We have grace and truth, we have the living water, we have the Holy Spirit. We have a perfect example. We have God's word, we have the glory of God, we have the true bread, we have eternal life, and we have peace, and we have answer to prayer. The living water is unfailing and eternal water. And when you look at Jeremiah 2:3, 2:13 uh, and 17:13 and Zechariah 14:8, it gives you a, a rundown on the different waters. The living water is found in Jeremiah 2:13. For my people have have committed two evils. They have forsaken me and and uh, forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed them out of cisterns, broken uh, cisterns that can hold no water. That area over there was very dry, and uh, desolate land that they had rivers and things like that, but sometimes they'd dry up, so they would dig wells and cisterns. And I, th- I looked at that, and I thought, the wells cracked, the ground would crack, and the water would soak out. And I thought about us as human beings. What about our life? Are we a dried-up cistern? Do we let the Word of God spill through us? Or do we let it stick to us? Do we let it stay in us? And it's a must that we do. We must keep the Holy Spirit working alive in our bodies. It's a spiritual thing. And so it's a spiritual thing that we have to look to and live with, but we must keep it in our bodies and we're not letting any of it leak out. And I can have personal experience. I was so busy working for god that i forgot to read my bible i mean i was busy i thought i was doing all right the only time i ever read my bible was when i got ready for a sunday school class and i'd go look up what my sunday school class was going to be and then study on that part of it but i forgot to read my bible and my wife can tell you uh i got to where i was kind of cranky a little bit ugly a little bit sometimes Uh, I thought people were stupid, but I realized that it was me. (laughs) They weren't exactly all stupid. It was me. I just didn't have the attitude that needed to to realize who they were and what they were. So I said, okay, I'm going to patch that up. So I began to read the word. Jeremiah 17, 13 says, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed, and they that depart from me shall be written in the earth, because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Again, the living waters. They've forsaken the fountain of living waters, and they've made cisterns that can hold no water. So that was us. Don't make a cistern that can't hold the water. We can't keep the holy water in us. And I say that holy water uh, because what God gives us is holy. Every word spoken, everything he does, the prayers that we have, the healing that we receive is from God. Now, Jeremiah 2.13 said, The pagans are guilty of but one sin, idolatry. But the covenant people committed two. They abandoned their true God, and they served idols. And this hit me. I thought, how many of us have idols that we hold true to hold to and don't let God come into our lives and don't let God be a part of our lives and part of who we are and what we're doing? You know, you say, Well, I don't have an idol. What about when the preacher's preaching? and it's getting a little bit past noontime when the Cowboys are kicking off. Do you get a little antsy? Do you wonder why? You know, well, the Cowboys haven't showed me a whole lot. So I don't see any need to get real anxious or, you know, upset whether I'm there or not. But other things should be idle to us. So we just need to remember that God's house is a time for the church together in it, and when you're here, you're part of the body of church, the uh, body of Christ. So I thought, mm, I don't want to serve an idol, but they they forgot God and the fountain of life. They lost the light, their prosperity, their happiness, and secondly, they hewed out broken cisterns. They joined themselves to idols from whom they could receive uh, neither temporal, or spiritual good. Their conduct was the excess of folly and blindness. Now, what we call here broken cisterns mean more properly such vessels as were ill made. Is your uh, is your vessel ill made today? Are we truly born again, living born again? Or are we just coming to church so people say, well, old Bob showed up today. There must be something about him. Well, you don't really know. I might have been under a whole lot of pressure. I might have not been where I needed to be. But see, God knows. And so when I come into church, what I expect then is, not what people can do for me, but what I can do for the church. Because God's going to give me, and God's going to take care of my need. He's going to take care of what I have to have. And that was a hard lesson for me to learn. I thought when I went to church, I was supposed to receive something. Well, I was. I was supposed to receive the Word so I could put it to action in my body so that I could understand and then get out and tell other people. Well, I have been gifted with the the ability to teach, and so I enjoy teaching. And I get all, just all involved in teaching. And it makes me go in and study the Word because I don't want my students knowing more than I do. So I have to be careful to make sure that I know what I'm talking about when I stand before them. So... I want to make sure that there's no cracks in my NB. But here's the thing about it there's good news coming from heaven. When you read Zechariah 14, 8, he said, And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the farmer's the former sea, and half of them toward the hinder sea. The pharmacy is the Dead Sea, and the hinder sea is the Mediterranean. It'll be in the summer and in the winter shall it be, And the Lord shall bring, uh, be king over the earth. In that day shall be one Lord and one name, and, and only one. God will be himself. John 4:24 talks about God, and I'm not going to read all the scriptures. It's a whole page full of scriptures, but I'll tell you this: that there was 316 scriptures mentioned right here. 316. I thought about writing a book, but I thought I'd wear my printer out trying to print all the pages. So I just I put it down, and I'm going to let you read the book, and you'll find them. But God is a spirit. God is a spirit being, not the Son moon, stars, nor an image of wood, stone or metal, not a beast or man. He is not the air, wind, universal mind, love, or some impersonal quality. He is a person with a personal spirit body, a personal soul, and a personal spirit like that of the angels, and like that, of man except his body is of a spirit substance instead of flesh and bone. He has a personal spirit body also. Uh, It has the shape, form, image, and likeness of man. Uh, He has uh, physical parts such as the back parts, mouth, lips, hands, fingers, feet, eyes, ears, hair, head, face, arm. Uh, loins and other physical parts he has bodily presence and goes from place to place in a body like all other persons Uh, he has a voice he breathes and countenance he wears clothes he eats he rests he dwells in a mansion and in a city located on a, a material planet called heaven He walks, he rides, and he engages in other activities. He has a personal soul with feelings of grief, anger, repentance, jealousy, hate, love, pity, fellowship, pleasure and delight, and other soul passions like other beings. He has a personal spirit with mind, intelligence, will, power, truth, faith and hope, righteousness, faithfulness, knowledge and wisdom, reason, discernment, immutability, and many other attributes, powers, and spirit facilities or faculties. And I read all this, and at the bottom of my my notes, I said this, that all I can say about this is, wow, what a great God we serve that I, for one, with the help of the Holy Spirit, dedicate my remaining days to serve God, or to serve Jesus with all my heart, soul, and mind, and body, as long as I live. And I thank God for a long life in Him. So how about you? Are you going to do likewise? Are you going to be a broken system? And when God says He must, and so I was thinking a little bit about this. God started out a little while back. Well, a little while back to him, but generations and generations to you and I at the beginning of the earth before. And he started a program that has been going for generations after generations. And so it's a must. It was a must that Jesus came. To take us away from the law. The law was good for us, but we had to have something better than the law because Christ then came and through His life, through His blood, then we have been forgiven of our sins and all our sins, the sins that you made yesterday or the ones you made today or the ones you may make tomorrow. they are all been forgiven. They're already wiped clean. And all you and I have to do is just receive that just take that in our hands and receive it. You know, if I stand up here and pull a hundred-dollar bill out of my pocket, which is impossible, but uh, you would—and I say, who would come up here and get it? If you run you rush up to get it. The Holy Spirit is saying the same thing. I have life. I have life for you, and the Word here says, you must be born again. So when you're talking to people, you have to tell them this. You must be born again. It's not a choice for you not to do it. You have to be born again. Although we've been given the choice, we still have to receive Christ. No man that does not go through Christ will enter into the gates of heaven. That's about as plain as you can get. And in one of my notes, I had there, I I didn't use it, but it says you'll either, well, I think I did bring it back. Uh, I thought I might as well read it. Are you going to be a must person and follow Christ into heaven, or are you going to not follow Christ and go to hell? You have a choice. And you say, well, I'm talking to a bunch of Christians. I know I'm talking to a bunch of Christians. But there's Christians that fill this world that don't know Christ. So my uh, my idea is this, that I've got to know the living Christ, the one that gives me the living water. It's a must for me that I do it. And it's a must for you that you do it. And we think, we'll go along and think, well, I'll have time. Well, not always. You may not have time. I was reading a story not too long ago. In fact, it might have been just last night, yesterday, where a man had been trying to get this woman saved. And it was an aunt. She was a mean aunt. Would cuss God and said there's no such thing. And so the daughter of the aunt called her, called him, and says, come over, let's pray with her. But she'd gone into a coma. But she woke up and recognized and still did not accept God, laid back down, closed her eyes, and died without God. So where is she? There's only one place, even though it's a loved one. They didn't make it. So I'm saying to you talk to your loved ones talk to your neighbors talk to anybody you can but most of all live the life because people are going to look at your life more than they will look at your words. You can speak things but are you going to live it? You got to live the life and so tonight uh, I would just like to say this If you know somebody that's not not living for God, maybe they've lived for God at one time, but maybe they have let a little crack uh, come into their bodies, into their minds, into their hearts. Go to those people and take this word here where John says that we must, we must, we must, and get it over to them. That is a positively capital M-U-S-T, that men listen to God and drink the living water. I like it because after these last few words that we're talking about here, uh, when he's talking about in Jeremiah, uh, I mean in uh, what I had on this other page. When he's talking about it, he says, after our end, when new heaven and new earth is here, that there's going to be living water that's going to flow out of, under Jerusalem. That's the living water. That's going to be Christ and the living water that's going to flow out. And so we want that living water. We want that water that's not stagnant, that's not polluted, and we want that living water to be in our lives and in our hearts, and in our minds, in our homes, and anything that we live where we live, and where we work, let our light shine. Because it says in there that when we were born again, we became a light. And we must let that light shine. And the way we can let that light shine is help spread and give people this living water. So, Father, I ask tonight, as we've had this little brief discussion that if there's any heart or if there's a known person that is not right with you, that tonight they will make their heart pure for you, that they will take a drink of that living water. Just as Christ said to the woman at the well, you can give me a drink that will... Cause me to be thirsty again because it's not a satisfying water. But when you take the living water, that is a satisfying water. That is a water that keeps producing and keeps producing until we are filled to an overflowing and let that overflow flow out of us into the hearts and lives of those that are near and far to us. Let our light be a shining light and may your love just radiate from our bodies into those that we come in contact with, so that people will say, there's something different about you. There's something different about you. And I look forward to father, to the day that we have this new building sitting on top of this hill, shining like a bright star, that people will come by and notice this new structure. With the name, Trinity Life Church, learning that they can come and knowing that they can come to this church and they too can drink of that living water and receive you as their Savior. And we give you praise and glory and honor in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. Bob, thank you. All I can say about that. Is the word of God is beautiful, and it has been beautifully delivered by our elder tonight. Thank you, Bob. Wow, I feel so clean. Don't you just fresh as we conclude in prayer tonight, Brother Anthony? I want you to give our benediction tonight. Would you come and just stand with me here? I'll have you clo- give our closing prayer. As bro- right before Brother Anthony closes our, us in prayer tonight, I want us to pray. Let's remember Homer Gray. Let's remember Maria Castile. And let's remember uh, Benny Grissom. Uh, you notice that uh, Brother Keith and Sister Michael weren't here tonight. And uh, they're in Oklahoma City. Hurt Their dad had some heart issues. His dad had some heart issues. I've known Brother Benny for a very long time. So I'm going to ask Brother Anthony, would you pray over Maria, Maria, Homer, and Benny, and then just conclude us in prayer. It's been so good to see you tonight, Brother. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Father, for your word uh, that never comes back void, uh, Father, we lift up our brothers and sisters to you tonight, and we just ask you for your, your healing touch. We ask you, Lord, that you just uh, be with them, Lord. Walk this journey with them, Lord, in this time. And uh, Father, we just uh, thank you for who you are, that that you're a God that is for us every day, that your grace and mercy are new every single morning. And so, Father, I just ask a blessing over your people tonight, a blessing on the rest of your week. And other week. But Father, a blessing on this church May this church be the light in this city. And so, Father, we know that you are able, and, and we pray, Father, for the needs of this church, Father. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your word today. So, Father, we just ask you to be with us, and we ask you just continue let the light shine in our path. And we thank you, Jesus, for who you are, the author and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.